You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Hello, and welcome to Travel Talk Weekly. This is show number 16, original air date, January 28th, 2020. When it comes to adventure travel, this next destination is pretty high on the list for a lot of people, a cruise on the Amazon River. It was an experience I'll never forget. We had a chance to travel with international expeditions. It's an incredible small ship experience. There were only 24 other passengers. Yeah, it will hold a few more, I think up to 30. I think 32 is the limit on passengers. The crew is also pretty small because there's not a whole lot of people on there. So you often notice that the cooks and crew also doubled as the entertainment in the evening. The evening music. Yes, it was pretty the band. fun. <laughs> very, something very, very different. Here are a few things about international expeditions. They travel to a lot of different places, six continents, Africa and the Middle East, Asia and the Pacific, Central and South America, Europe, North America and the Caribbean, and also the polar regions. So they are a good option if you want to do some of the smaller adventures. I know that there are lots of like really big ships that will go to some of the um, destinations like maybe Antarctica or some of the places that you'll find in Asia and the Pacific. But international expeditions, they're just a smaller, more intimate, boutique type of an adventure travel. We also call them IE because saying international expeditions so many times in a row could be challenging. This is true. We've cruised all over the world from Alaska to the Mediterranean and a lot in the Caribbean. And we're pretty good at packing for those trips, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. But this one is completely different. You know, when you go to the Amazon, it's like, what do you wear? What do you do? But luckily, International Expeditions provides you with a packing list. And we pull it out, we get a nice little packet, and there's this little checkbox of you need to bring this, this, this. Unfortunately, I don't think we had a single thing on there. Maybe one. Maybe one. It was a little uh, <laughs> a little intimidating. Yeah, you definitely need a budget for your expedition wear unless it's something that you already have. We wanted to make sure we were getting the right things on the packing list they gave us, so we went to a local shop called Bill Jackson's Shop for Adventure to get the right stuff. And right at the top of the list for the Amazon is insect repellent. What we learned, though, from our people over at Bill Jackson's, because this wasn't stated necessarily on the list from International Expeditions, but because we had all of our camera equipment, our person over at the store said, now, you don't want to buy anything with DEET in it. And this was huge because DEET actually can melt the plastic and, of course, the casing for a lot of cameras and for binoculars is plastic. So he actually gave us another option, and it's a product called Precaritin, and it didn't harm our gear at all, and it did repel the insects, of course. But that was something that was not in the packet, so it helped that we went to an actual adventure store before to ask lots of questions. And as far as clothes for the Amazon, we learned that you want light and breathable clothing to protect you from the sun and bugs, and also like comfortable shoes and socks and a hat. I mean, there's a whole list of things. Yeah, so there are some clothes that are out there that actually are insect repellent type clothes. You can also purchase some um, fluids and stuff that you spray on them and make them insect repellent. And the same thing goes for, there's lots of like shirts and stuff that are, have sunscreen capabilities as well. 
So once you get into adventure travel, you can see how these things really add up quick. Ever since that trip, our go-to clothing brand for you know hot Florida summers has been Ex Officio. Yeah, we love their clothing. They also specialize in travel. All their clothing is very customized specifically for the traveler. And in this case, we were the adventure travelers. We were. We were adventurers. I will say, for one example, I had a you know long sleeve shirt on that it was soaking wet because we had been walking through the jungle. Yes. And we took a boat from one place to the next, one of those little little skiffs. And I took my shirt off and within a, a couple minutes of just, you know, letting the wind hit it and the clothing was perfectly dry again. It was pretty crazy. Now, not to say that the Amazon is just going to be miserably hot. We're not trying to paint that picture. No, no, just just, have the right gear. Just have to have the right gear because you are outside usually in the mornings and again in the evenings. But it reminded me of Florida weather. So for, for us, I wasn't like, oh, this is totally different. It was just what we were doing during the day in the hikes and stuff in the jungle or just riding on the skiffs. You definitely want to be protected from the sun and from insects. So we don't recommend cotton clothing because that will get hot and sticky yes, and soaking wet. Yes, that would be wet. awful. So after we did our nice shopping spree, which again, you definitely want to plan for budgeting. We'll put the links to the video in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, you know, one thing, though, that we didn't talk about was our footwear. Yes. And that was really important because when you do go hiking, we went when the water was in the low season. So we did a lot of hiking on the land. So you had to have good hiking shoes. And our friends over at Bill Jackson's recommended Solomon. I remember the brand because they're one of the companies that make ski boots. And so I, I recognized the brand. And it was interesting how he said, okay, let's try on a different couple different types. Let's make sure it's the right fit. And then he had a stand on this little incline just to see how much our foot moved. And if it was moving, then he got us a different size. So, I mean, it was really, they were really, really good. Yeah. And the nice thing was, is they were new when we went, which normally you don't want to buy brand new shoes and then you're going to be going out hiking. However, in this particular case, they were so well fit that we were totally fine. Ironically enough, I'm actually wearing them right now. (laughs) Well, they're great shoes. So we got more use even after the Amazon cruise. After doing this, all the shopping and, you know, we had purchased several items, I started really feeling ready for the Amazon River Cruise. Again, we didn't know what to expect. We were kind of going into this blind. Before we dive into our adventure, here are some fun facts about the Amazon. It contains over two-thirds of all the unfrozen fresh water on Earth, and the water level fluctuates as much as 40 feet between the wet and dry seasons. And it produces over 20% of the Earth's oxygen. Very, very important. Very important. Our typical day started with an old-fashioned wake-up call as early as 6 a.m. And we're not talking alarms or phones. This was just a knock on the door to get us going. And that was pretty funny because sometimes we kind of predicted, like, oh, it's going to be time to get up soon. Then you hear the knock on the door. (laughs) And this early in the morning, the weather is cooler and the animals are just getting their day started. So there's lots of activity at this time. The number and variety of wildlife we saw was incredible. And thanks to our guides, Dennis, Usiel, and Cleaver, and our checklist, we were able to keep a running tab on what we saw and where. Five species of monkeys, sloths, pink and gray dolphins, and reptiles and fish galore. But one of the biggest things that we saw, or I should say the highest count, was we saw more birds than we did that we even thought were possible. We actually saw, and again, we wrote all these things down, we saw 112 different kinds of birds. Our guides did help us keep track of that. Yes, they did. <laughs> the coolest was a prehistoric bird called the Watson, and that's spelled H-O-A-T-Z-I-N, but pronounced Watson. 
It's part of the oldest living line of birds dating back to around the time of the dinosaur extinction. So if you were into birds, this is a great trip for you to explore. We took our own advice from our book, Just Add Water, and arrived a day early in Lima, and this left us completely rested for our first excursion the next day. So our first day started, actually, with a guided tour of Lima, Peru, which is located between the foothills of the Andes and the shores of the Pacific Ocean. It's actually only 12 degrees south of the equator. So after having a nice rest, the next day we had kind of a little mini tour of Lima before we headed to the cruise destination because we it were was still... Fun. I mean, Lima's a really interesting city. This was our first time going south of the equator, and it was very interesting. We had a great time the next day. We woke up after sleeping, and then the next day, we went on a little mini tour of Lima. And of course, we're getting excited to go on the tour, but we actually had to take a flight from Lima to Iquitos, which is a city that can only be reached by air or water, and that is, was the jumping off point for our cruise. The first view of our ship got us excited, and when we boarded the ship, the rooms were really more spacious than I thought they would be. There was plenty of storage for luggage, even with all of our camera gear, we had plenty of room. Yeah, lots of room. The bathrooms were really big, and I really liked how the bed looked facing out onto the water. And so we could just lay in bed and we're looking straight out. So that was very strategic, and it was super great. You see it on a lot of the river cruise ships. Now they're they're being built now, so they face outwards. Yeah, it totally makes sense as opposed to sideways. Now they did have, for all of our camera equipment, we kept most of it in the room, but they did have some lockers because it is so humid and your rooms are air conditioned. With camera equipment, if you don't set it outside to let it get used to the humidity that it's in, or if it's a lot warmer, it starts getting fogged up. So because they knew that on this particular cruise, a lot of people are going to be taking photos, you could leave your cameras outside in a locker. We never did that. We actually just left them in the bathroom, which the bathroom was not as air-conditioned as the main cabin. Something else that stood out to me right away is this is the only cruise we've ever been on where there's no TV in the room. That is true. A couple times we tried to get internet, but again, you're in the Amazon jungle. (laughs) We did not have internet. That is for sure. So they hauled all of our luggage down to the ship. We didn't have to carry anything, and it was a little bit of a hike to get down there. Not like a bad hike, but it was a very vertical drop. So we you know, just took our backpacks and stuff with us. They took all of our luggage. So again, nice first-class service there. And you know, not knowing what's going on, you kind of start meeting some of the passengers. You're on the ship, and the ship leaves the dock, and everybody, of course, goes up to the top. And we're just looking out going, where is this adventure going to take us? This is going to be like so crazy. And of course, there's the the famous welcome drink that night. And they really tried to just make an environment where everybody got to know the crew and got to know each other. And I remember just pulling away and we were standing on that bow right at the front, just looking at this going, wow, this is crazy. It looked like something off a of Nat Geo. It really did. And I would say that this cruise is perfect for people that are nature lovers and like they like to watch nature because that's what we were doing pretty much every day. And we weren't sure what to expect. After a really good night's sleep, our guides woke us up and went out for our first excursion. And these excursions, we would start early in the morning. And there's a reason for that. But our guides were fantastic and they would point out all the different wildlife and birds. And luckily we have binoculars. So the way these excursions worked is they would have two skiffs. And so half the people would go on one and they just pull up alongside our ship 
or boat, really. And then there was another skiff and the other guests, they would get on that one. So we had two skiffs and each had a guide and they would then go down the the Amazon or go into some of these tributaries and basically just start pointing out all of the wildlife. So as you can imagine, one of the things at the top of a packing list for the Amazon is a good camera. And we brought several cameras. We were filming, of course, but I will say that we did learn some things about the right camera and lenses to bring. It was a bit overkill on our lens. We brought the uh, the 200 to 400 lens for the Nikon. And I was amazed that Dennis, our guide, was getting some really great shots with his point-and-shoot digital camera. Yeah, he didn't have as high of a resolution, but because you're on a skiff, it's moving. And so it's not like you can get real steady shots. And when you have a camera lens that's that intense. We could zoom in on it, but because the boat was moving, it was hard to get it to stay in focus and get a good shot. So we quickly learned that that was better for just setting it up on a tripod when we were up on deck and the ship wasn't moving a whole lot. Even though at this point it was our first full day on the ship, we'd already seen so much incredible wildlife by the end of the day. We saw a monkey, a sloth, a ton of birds. Yeah, there were birds everywhere. And our first excursion, for the most part, we were on the skiff the entire time, but you're not out there from like six in the morning to noon. You're out usually for just a few hours, sometimes two hours, sometimes maybe a little bit more. And then we'd come back and they would have lunch ready for us. And then after lunch, they said, it's time for everybody to take a siesta. And they actually had that in the schedule, nap yeah, time. And that's exactly what happened. So everybody would go back to their cabins. Some people would go up on the deck and just read or hang out. And then before we would get into the evening events, a lot of times they would have small lectures on board. And then in the evening, there would either be evening entertainment or there may even be an evening excursion. And this was pretty much the whole schedule for the cruise. The ship's moving, you get up, you do an excursion, you have lunch, you take a nap, you do another excursion, and then you come back, you have dinner and the evening entertainment. So imagine doing that, but you're constantly moving and seeing crazy things all up and down the Amazon. I couldn't believe we did the nighttime excursion and we're right by the shore. One of our guides like jumps out of the boat. I'm like, what are you doing? And he went and grabbed a little baby crocodile. Yeah. I was like, you could be kidding me. Mom might be around. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be jumping in the water here. But the the whole area totally changes. So as you were sailing down, what was really unique is we didn't see anybody. Like we saw the, the people who live there and live and work on the Amazon. They'd be going on their little boats, but you never would see other cruise ships. That is correct. I think that maybe one time we saw another ship and that just tells you how isolated you are and how isolated you feel. I remember just going, we are the only ones here. It was fun. And, you know, you can enjoy this trip any way you like. We enjoyed sitting on our private balcony, you know, having a cup of coffee, relaxing. I loved being up on the upper deck and just going by and and knowing that these villages have, you know, remained mostly unchanged, some of them probably for hundreds of years. Very, very, very primitive. They definitely were. And you could even tell as we went down the Amazon where the water line was. And we got a whole new appreciation of how much that water fluctuates because it was probably like 40 feet in some areas. Another thing we enjoyed was the national drink of Peru, the Pisco Sour that they made for us. It was just such a fun crew. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, the crew definitely makes a difference. And so in the evenings, drinks are not included in the cruise, but they always would have like a drink of the day that was included. So they'd offer that up for everybody. And we had, for the most part, I would say that there was a fair range of, of ages 
on the cruise. And then there were even a few small children, and they were in their teens. And so it's mostly adults. And that makes sense because of the price of this cruise. Well, and there's really not a lot. If if the kids are not nature lovers, there's not a lot for them to do. Exactly. And so if they're not into that, then you definitely would not want to bring a, a kid on this. For those of you that like hiking and would like to trek through the Amazon rainforest, you have to make sure you travel there during the dry season. Like you mentioned, the water can rise as much as 40 feet during the wet season. And you also get to see completely different things when you can actually walk around. So in one of the excursions, we were able to see what's called a bullet ant. And you see them and they look like ants that are like the size of a jelly bean. They're, they were pretty good they're size. They big, yeah. Yeah. And he said that, you know, take a look at these, but don't get close. You don't want to get bit because if you do, it will be like you got hit by a bullet. And not when someone throws a bullet at you, but actually shoot it through the gun. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Some of our other land adventures that were kind of cool were we got to see baby turtles. That was fun at the reserve, yeah. Yeah, so one of the stops was at a reserve, and we went up there, and they have where they hatch the baby turtles, and then they will actually take them down to the river and just let them free so that they can continue on. um, Hopefully keep the birds away so they don't become little appetizers. exactly, exactly. Um, That was just one of the kind of cool stops that we saw along the way. And the same guy that showed us the bullet ants, he is also from the Amazon. So he is a native there. And he was talking about past generations, about how some of them were affected by the rubber industry. He even showed us an actual rubber tree. That was interesting because he pulled it and he was pulling a little piece of it. Yeah. And it looked like it was the same texture as rubber. Very interesting. I mean, we saw some of the most spectacular sunsets there. To this day, still some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever, ever seen and sunrises as well. And then of course, on a couple of the nights, they actually took us out in the nighttime to see the nightlife of just all these little creatures. And I remember that was probably the most traumatizing for one of them. Why? Because, so all the lights are off and we were going down and they were looking for the the caiman. That's what it was. That's what he grabbed was a caiman, not, yeah. a, not a crocodile. And so we were, you know, we're going down there and then they had a flashlight because they were trying to shine it so they could see the eyes kind of flicker. I remember that the light was attracting all of these bugs and I was pretty close to the guide and there were so many bugs swarming around my head <laughs> and I had a hood and I had an insect repellent outfit on, but it had a hood and I just remember pulling pulling the string so that all I could like have hang out was my nose because they were everywhere. It was driving me insane. That was the only time and I felt overwhelmed by bugs. And if our listeners could see you right now trying to <laughs> pantomime what that was like tying your hood real tight, yeah. it, it was funny. <laughs> it was pretty brutal though. I mean, there are bugs in the Amazon. They are going to be there. It's expected. But that was the only time I felt like, okay, this is a little much for sure. It was interesting to me that every day and every excursion, we kind of know what we're looking for. A lot of times they'll talk about it the night before. A lot of times they do like the nature talk at night and they say, well, tomorrow we're going to look for you know this, but we never know where we're going to find it. And when we were there, we saw a black and white hawk eagle. And our guide, Dennis, he said in 10 years of coming to the Amazon, it was only his third time that he had found that bird. And those things to me are just really cool because you can go to the same place. He, he does this for a living. And he's in 10 years, he's seen a black and white hawk eagle three times. That's pretty crazy. He has the amazing ability to see these things where the rest of us, we're, we're like sitting on the skiff or standing up and we all have binoculars. And we're just like, where in the world is this? I know, that was this? funny. Yeah, he saw some pretty cool things. On a couple of the days, our excursions were to go into a couple of the local villages. So one of the first ones that we went to was a home 
of one of the local people that live there. And they gave us a little tour so we get an idea of what life is like there. Walked us through the town a little bit, and we ended up at a little school where the kids there were giving a performance. That was funny. That was really cute. And in another village, we visited a shaman and had a blessing from the shaman. The shaman are very important to these local villagers. Very important. So the shaman, it's like they're the doctors, they're the priests, they're the spiritual guidance. And I just thought it was a neat experience. We got to meet one. Yeah, because they're not hanging out on every street corner. That's for sure. That's because there are no streets. There are no streets. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, have you guys heard of concrete? (laughs) The Amazon River Cruise wasn't just about seeing the rainforest and all the wildlife. It was also about immersing ourselves. Our guides are experts regarding the local culture. It was very humbling to not only learn how people live along the river, but to actually get invited into their homes where we could hear their stories firsthand. It was impressive to see how they lived in houses that are basically raised on platform stilts with a thatched roof, no electricity, and they would cook on hot coals and surviving really on just what they can grow and trade for. And it really, truly makes you appreciate the comforts of everything we take for granted every day. That was probably my biggest takeaway is there's so many things we take for granted that would mystify them. It was very common to see villagers of all ages going about their business and traveling along the river, including boys as young as 10 or 12 that were justifiably proud of their hand-carved canoes as they paddled by on their way to their favorite fishing spot. And we saw several of that. We did learn from one of the villagers that when the young boys are growing up and they make their own canoe, that's how the girls decide if that is going to be a good husband. Because if they have a really good canoe, then it they they really care for their work. And then also if they have a really good knife, the tool that they use to create it, if they keep that sharp, then that's something that shows how they are going to be a good husband because they care for things. Yes, good husband material. Yes, (laughs) and that's how they determine it. That was kind of fun. One of the most memorable visits was to a local school. It was amazing to see how excited the kids were about just simple gifts, you know, crayons and school supplies that we don't really think much about because we can go to the local store, Target, or Office Depot whenever we need something. And that was part of one of the service projects that we did is we brought down some school supplies specifically for this school. And the fun thing, though, for me was because there are very few, if any, mirrors around, the kids aren't used to seeing themselves. It's not like here in the States where people are probably overly used to seeing themselves with selfies and all that kind of stuff. So if they were amazed when we could take a picture or a video of them, and then I'd flip the the camera around and I would show them pictures of themselves and they were just blown away. It was like a fun game that we played for like 10 minutes. That was fun. And they were amazed by your Apple Watch. Yes. So I was playing music off my Apple Watch just to show them how that worked. And yeah, the technology is very different than what they are used to. But I think they live a very simple life and everything is on the barter system. I think somebody said at one point they live on like $100 a year, but everything is just bartered and traded and all that good stuff. The most important ingredient in the local diet is salt. With no electricity or refrigeration, it's the only way they can preserve food and keep it from going bad. This is very obvious when we visited the market later in our trip. One of the highlights of going to the Amazon and being on the Amazon River is something that you always hear about, and that is all the piranhas that are in the tributaries and in the Amazon River. So we were definitely looking forward to experiencing this in a good way in real life. And one of the days we went, we took a short hike. And then after the hike, they strategically put the skiffs in the shade. So we were still in the water, anchored, but in the shade. And it was time to do some piranha fishing. 
with some very, very fancy fishing tackle. Yeah, very fancy fishing tackle. So while we were on our hike, one of the other guides was down collecting some large twigs. I call them twigs because they were like maybe three feet long. Or we can call them sticks. Okay, sticks. (laughs) But they were just, okay, a big stick that's three or four feet long. And then they tied some string to it. They did have a hook on the end. And yeah, those were our fishing poles straight from the Amazon forest. They're tearing off little pieces of chicken and you just dip the pole down in the water, dip, you know, dip the hook down in the water and you could feel the piranha. Like you could, sometimes you didn't know if they'd actually taken the bait or not. And then you pull one up and there it was. Yeah. You could feel them nibbling on it. And there were some people who were better fishermen than others. Um, I was not one of them. I think you were the only one on the whole trip to not catch one. <laughs> no, there was one other girl that didn't catch one. <laughs> but they, they, I fed them because they definitely ate my bait. Well, no, the piranha loved you because you kept giving them food. <laughs> I know, right? So after we, you know, everybody on the two skiffs catches a bunch of piranha. We had a nice little lunch there. And then they take all the fish that we caught. And this was actually being taken back to the ship because guess what? Piranha was for dinner. It was tasty. I was a little more intimidated. Like, I tried a bite or two. You picked up the fish and bit right into it. Well, okay, here's why it was intimidating, though. You have to paint the picture. So when they cook the fish, and I remember even halfway down on the way back, they stopped these two young boys, and they traded some of our leftover lunches that hadn't been eaten for some of the fish that they had caught, not piranha, a different kind. Right. They wanted to make sure, I guess, that we had enough of the fresh fish for dinner. And then when we go down to dinner later, they had all that fresh fish and they had the piranha. But you know what? They don't like chop the heads off or anything. They were like cooked as is and served with teeth, eyes, everything. And so they looked a little scary. And they aren't even that big to begin with, but they were still intimidating. Yeah, they were about the size of a cell phone. Um, So we actually that night were sitting down with the main guide and another one of the the guys. It was Usil and Cleaver. Yeah. And so Usil, I mean, he grew up in the Amazon, like legit. And he had a huge stack of all these fish, and he's just eating them like crackers. And so I was asking him, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to eat this piranha? You know, it's not something you knife and fork, apparently. No. Yeah. Unless you're me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I bit into it just as they described. And it actually, it was good. It was good. But, yeah, those little teeth, um, one of the things we learned is that when the locals catch piranha, they actually use those teeth for scissors. That's how sharp they are. So when you're on excursions, obviously, there's lots of stuff to do. When you're back on the ship, there's not so much to do, but they do try to keep you entertained. So every day they would have some sort of a lecture, and that was just to learn about where we've been, where we're going, what we're going to see. It was actually very, very useful. And at first I was like, oh, these are going to be so boring. But by the end of the cruise, it's like, okay, what's new and different that we're going to see? And on one day, they did their own version of Top Chef. They brought up a couple of the uh, the cruisers. And they let them kind of let them through like a little miniature Top Chef competition. Yeah, that was kind of fun. And yeah, I was using like local ingredients, trying to like replicate a, a local dish. And then, of course, they always had a great happy hour. And they would have drinks before dinner. And then you'd go to dinner. And then after dinner, we would all go right back to the same place because they would have some evening entertainment. And that was with their own house band, the Chunky Monkeys. These guys are awesome, and they also pull double duty as members of the crew. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It's like after dinner, you see all these same people that have been serving you or were some of the guides, and they'd put on like a little matching vest, and they'd have their instruments. They actually were pretty good, and we got one of their CDs because they were a good little band. It was kind of fun. 
The person that keeps us all safe on board is, of course, the captain. But unlike a lot of the big ships out there, this boat does not have a chart plotter and autopilot. And he is steering manually all the time because the Amazon, it's so dynamic, you never know how deep the water is going to be. So you can't just sit down autopilot, kick back, and enjoy a cup of coffee. You have to constantly monitor the depth. So when I got the chance to steer the ship myself, I was pretty excited until I realized there's no power steering either. The captain's arms were huge because autopilot just doesn't exist here, and it's harder to steer than it looks. I know at first when you, because he lets you go in there to try to steer it. And at first I thought you were kind of joking around, like I trying to not, make it. So and you're just like, no, that I was wasn't really hamming hard. it up for the camera. <laughs> now, something that we were excited for the whole cruise was the chance to kayak on the Amazon River. And what added to the excitement was knowing all the different kinds of fish and reptile that we had been learning about all week could be just a few feet from us as we paddled down the waterways. So all those piranhas, they were there. And they were mad at you for taking their little buddies. (laughs) Or almost. Almost. They weren't mad at me. They were mad at everybody else. Yeah, I did love, though, the taking the kayaks down the river because we went for quite some time. And it was just, it was just fun. It was just the two of us in there. I think we brought a radio and we did. Yeah. That's right. We, I remember we brought, we a, you know, we had a little Bluetooth speaker and we brought that just to listen to music and everybody's like, wow, that was a great idea. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That was fun. But of course they had to like eighties rock. And I think they did. Cause that's what was playing. <laughs> On the last day before returning to Iquitos, we ventured ashore in the town of Nauta, which is by far the largest town in the area and its commercial hub. People come mostly by boat from all over the region to buy and sell their goods and to get fuel for anything that needs it. This was like the first sign of like a city life after spending what, what it was, six days on the river. And because, as we mentioned, there's no way to keep food fresh other than salt, the locals shop at the market just about every day. Not like the one to two times per week that we do here in the States, or we never go because we're using Amazon Prime. But <laughs> the, the highlight of this day was to go to the market and see how this little small town that is located on the river that has boats coming in to do business and see the city, how that operates. It was strange to just see the fish laying out on the floor on tarps and people could buy, you know, walk by and pick them up. And I don't know if they had money or if they traded or how they did it, but there are no refrigerated cases like at the store here. You couldn't do anything like that in the the States. I remember at one point they had a turtle on its back and it fell off the table and someone went to pick it up. I'm like, okay, that's somebody's dinner. It was really, it was kind of surreal how basic everything was. Yeah. I mean, they had um, just chickens that were sitting there. And yeah, it was just interesting. I'm like, are they really going to go through all this food? Because if not, it's going to spoil. That was not like a a refrigerated section. That's for sure. There are very few cars in Nauta, and they had three-wheeled motorized cabs everywhere called tuk-tuks. So that's how we got from one place to the other is we all got in our own little tuk-tuks. Which that was a fun experience, something different. Now, the excursion, though, that really put things into perspective when it came to the size of the Amazon was a float plane flight high above the river. And this was crazy because we had been sailing all week and you kind of have an idea of where you're at, but you know, sometimes you go up these little tributaries and so they're a little smaller and you kind of start losing sense of how big the Amazon is until we got up in that float plane. And what was so, I guess, what was so awesome is that the plane just, you know, flew down and landed in the river and we took the skiffs over to get on the plane. (laughs) I think there are like four of us at a time. And, when you get up in the air and just see how incredibly big the place is. I mean, and every single place you looked was the Amazon. 
And you could also see how all the rivers meet up with each other and funnel into the Amazon. And so that was one thing that I really learned was, wow, the Amazon is kind of like this main main artery. And there were so many little feeder rivers off. And again, we're in Peru. We're not on the side that's Brazil, which a lot of people will see that on TV and stuff. And it was equally as impressive looking, just just absolutely crazy. One of my highlights, though, when we were in Nauta were the pink dolphins. And this was one of those cases where we were getting some footage of what was going on on the ship while everybody else had gone on an excursion. So we pretty much had the ship all to ourselves. We did some good tours. And I remember setting up the tripod. And this is where that really big lens came in handy because we were very stable. We got some great shots of the pink dolphins that this is specific just to the Amazon. So that was really cool. And speaking of that same time, that night, we tied up across the river from Nauta, and they literally just tied us to a tree. Not a big tree. Not a big tree, no. <laughs> and then when we left, someone had to like jump off the front and run up and get the rope. It was hilarious. I was like, wow, we're not anchored. We're not doing anything. We're just tied to a tree. Yeah. How Overnight. Did, yeah. How did we not sail away on that one? You can't travel along the Amazon River and not have it change you. We have complete admiration of how the people along the river not only survive, but thrive. They're completely off the grid, self-sufficient, and happy. All in all, a fantastic trip that we highly recommend. Unfortunately, we were limited on time and had to end our trip, but many of our fellow travelers headed to Machu Picchu, which is an add-on extension for four more nights. So I guess we'll have to go back just to see that. Absolutely. If you would like to book this Amazon adventure or any other small group expedition, please reach out. We'd love to help you explore a new destination. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to text TRAVEL to 888-111. Again, TRAVEL to 888-111 so we can reach out to you if we find some awesome specials. And for specific questions, just shoot an email to rob at TravelTalkWeekly.com. Remember, it's a great, big, beautiful world. Get out there and see it. Until next time, never stop exploring.